Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host, sitting alongside me virtually as uh, this state of Victoria goes back into six weeks of lockdown. I've got my very good friend, the Rocket Man. How are you, Rocket Man? You're well? I'm good, Roscoe. Well, I'm worse for wear. Uh, last night, I was uh, violently attacked by a couple of wild turkeys. So Rockets had the uh, the pre-lockdown uh, little celebratory last-minute get-together with some friends over, had a couple of WT and colas, as is his choice. Um, drink responsibly, of course, especially during lockdown, but uh, feeling a little bit worse for wear. So we actually had to postpone our recording last night at 10 o'clock, and we resumed tonight. Due to, due to me. Due to Rocket. And... Uh, <laughs> But we have a special, another special guest joining us this week, and uh, I'm going to have to fess up because uh, I'm as the leader of this uh, team. I have to take ultimate responsibility, and it's all going to be for a good result. We did record this last week. We did have a go at recording with our special guest that we've we've dragged him out of his busy environment. Oliver Yawn from Fit Golf Australia. How are you, Ollie? You well? I'm very well, thank you, Roscoe. But uh, not your first time on the My Love of Golf podcast. You have joined me previously, and it's a great episode. You can find that episode a little while back where we go through the importance of strength and conditioning for your golf, and uh, you are the man to talk to in Melbourne for that. Uh, we did drag you out last Monday night or Tuesday night or whenever it was, and, and I, I do accept responsibility for the recording not working, first thing first for everyone. But welcome back, mate. Thanks for joining us again. And the reason why I say it is appropriate that we you know, maybe get the opportunity to go again is because one of the things that we talked about last week was Bryson DeChambeau, and uh, you know I guess it's even more pertinent that we talk about him after winning the Rocket Mortgage Challenge. Your own tournament, Rocket. Well done for sponsoring uh, a PGA Tour event. Well done. Uh, yeah, I'll, I like to put my money where my mouth is. Now, gents, I just thought to set the mood before we have a bit of a, a uh, you know, there's probably going to be a few puns regarding eating and food before we get into the serious stuff, before we digest uh, the the events of uh, Bryson DeChambeau's win. I just thought I might set the scene with just a little bit of audio that I've pulled down the pipe here if I can... Uh, work this new technology appropriately. Let's just have a listen to what Bryson DeChambeau sounds like on the tee. His tee shots, that 364 off the first tee that led the birdie, 303, 365. And here is Bryson DeChambeau off the very first day today. Trying to overpower a course yet again. The longest player on tour cranks out a 364-yard tee shot that leads to an opening birdie. He's one of the challengers. He took a little off of that one. We could go on and on with uh, watching that video all day because it is fascinating viewing. courtesy of uh, the PGA Tours website there. I just dragged that off. I'm not sure if you're allowed to do that or not, but I have anyway. It's out there now, but... You could watch Bryson DeChambeau in this new form smash those three, what was it, 360-odd yards, longest drive of the day or probably longest drive of the millennium. Unbelievable. It's just well, when you hear that and watch that, what do you think, boys? Uh, Ollie, uh, you go first, mate. Oh, look, it's exciting. Not only are you hearing the impact of the driver right there, but you're hearing it uh, all around the world. Um, I, I've had about three people in the last two days tell me they want to train and do what Bryson's done so that they can also hit it as far as he is. So there's a, there's a ripple effect happening and it's fascinating. So, yeah, watch this space. It's really exciting. Well, when we had the pre-record last week, the, the practice run for tonight, um, we... We didn't really, I guess, talk about it in the sense that this could actually change. You know, these young up-and-comers could be thinking there might be a new way, and, you know, you're just articulated that by... I'm assuming that, you know, some of your elite people that you coach, they're looking to gain some yards through training and bulking and whatever, so it could change uh, the direction for a number of young people coming through this size, strength, bulk, and as... uh, Who was it? Uh, Martin Chuck... What, is it, what did he call the, uh, the 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 Kong the Kong smash or the, the 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 Hulk smash? That's it. You know the Hulk smash methodology, unbelievable. R- Rocket, uh, in you know just introducing your own tournament. Well done again. Um, what did you think? What do you think about all of this, Bryson DeChambeau, smashing at three hundred and sixty yards for fun? Bryson, my man, Bryson. 
don't know. He's hitting it a long way. I, I, I don't know. I feel a, I feel almost like a shame being on here after a. <laughs> I don't think I can even defend what I was saying last week <laughs> because uh, he look. He's actually getting the results, and I did send a message to you going, I reckon he's going to win this week, which will make this podcast even more interesting, and he did. Um, although people trying to usher it in as if, like, he just destroyed the field, it's gone a bit far. If Matt Wolf didn't play like a like a spud in the front nine, <laughs> Matt Wolf might have been the one lift, lifting my trophy. But what can you say? It, look, he's been, he's been in position. He's had seven top sevens I think it was in his last seven starts and it's just hard to deny when you're knocking on the door like that um, and you know I think it was number one in strokes gained putting this week so that got him over the line obviously like that's a really good week of putting as you guys know but also the longest ever average driving distance of a winner on the PGA Tour uh, I think it was somewhere around the 350 or 340 mark correct me if I'm wrong and that was also number one and I think he's been number one or thereabouts pretty much every week for these last seven events. So the stats aren't lying. Now, Ollie, one of the things that we did uh, cover when we had the pre-record was what it's taken for Bryson to go from essentially what we saw in September. When you look at Martin Chuck's Instagram, you know, side-by-side video swing September, which was pre-President's Cup last year when we saw him out here, when yep. Rocket was on the sidelines there at Royal Melbourne hurling. Com- superlatives. Superlatives, you know. Com- Terminal com- velocity. Commentary d- disguised as abuse to, to poor old Bryson. It wasn't yeah. that long ago that he was in, you know, normal ath- athlete sort of mould, you know. He, he would have oh, put- President's Cup, he was porky pie. He was he looked like he'd been eating meat pies yes. by then. So that was obviously the start. But in, I'm talking about September. If, you, if everyone goes and looks at Martin Chuck's side-by-side videos from September to now, you'll see the difference. And... September, yep. October, November, December, you know, it's like seven or eight months that he's that he's had the massive gains happening and it's a it's a phenomenal, phenomenal change, not only physically, but a phenomenal change just technically with what he can do with his swing to such a great effectiveness. And we, we joked before that, you know, some people change their swing and, t- and it takes them six years to, to recover from that. Six, six months, just phenomenal. Now, Ollie, from a fitness, strength, conditioning training perspective, what would be some of the things that he may have put into place to get from September to now? Yeah, well, it's important to understand when you when you think about the enormity of what he's done is that when we saw him back then, he was almost 20 kilos lighter. So he's now 109 kilograms. And I heard a, an interview with his trainer, Greg uh, Roscoff, just the other day saying that he wants to get to 270 pounds. So no. So no, he wants, he's are you this serious? Is, this is Bryson's goal because Bryson uh, thinks that's where he wants to be. So he's 109 kilos now, and he wants to gain another 13 kilos, roughly. And to put that into perspective, Kepka's currently 93, so he's going to be a good 30 kilos heavier than Brooks Kepka, um, and they're both pretty similar height. Jordan Spieth's a slender 79 kilos. So um, it's a massive gain to get where he is now in such a short amount of time. And to get there is going to be even more huge. We saw some of the stuff that was coming out. I think the PGA Tour put something out and they asked Bryson how many calories he thought he was eating. I think he might have said, he listed what he was eating and then he said three, three and a half thousand calories. And uh, anyone who knows what they're talking about will probably laugh at that a little bit. I thought, he had to be eating more. He's eating like six plus thousand calories a day, which is, that's a serious amount. But it just goes to show, I'm sure there's a lot of signs to his training and and, um, and the swing methodology, methodology make, making sure he's maintaining his flexibility to be able to get the club into the right position. But when it comes to uh, the nutrition side of things, he's eating everything he possibly can, so as you, much as he can. You think some of that, uh, the posts that you've seen, you know, here's what I'm eating, you think he's undercooking that, uh, to use a pun there. He, he's, he's eating double, double that. Well, maybe not so much what he said he's eating, but he got his calorie, his daily caloric intake Wrong by about half. <laughs> oh, easy. Easy. I looked at that list and it said like 3,000 calories. I'm like, 
that's not 3,000 calories. Just breakfast was probably 3,000 calories. <laughs> exactly. So, but look, he's training hard. He said in the during that lockdown period they had over there in the US that he was actually doing two sessions a day sometimes. And that sounds like, that sounds ridiculous, sounds like a lot. But if it's well structured, you can do it so that you're still resting muscle groups, even though you're training twice. But again, you need some, some rest somewhere, but I'm sure he got it at some point. But he's been incredibly committed and he has worked very, very hard in the gym and he's eaten everything he possibly can. It's definitely easier to go up than it is to go down for most people. It's certainly more enjoyable. But uh, his, his trainer said, you know, um, his, all his coach's only requirement is that he maintains his flexibility. And so the whole time they've maintained his flexibility throughout. And, um, you know, up until up until that goal of Bryson's of uh, 270 pounds, provided he is able to put the club into the position where he wants it, um, the team's happy. So Vince McMahon is going to come knocking. Who, which, which, which man? Vince McMahon is going to come <laughs> yeah, knocking. No. WWE. Maybe, maybe, maybe Bryson. He's, he's he's his stage name, the scientist. Maybe the man that you've been lauding for a while is you know somewhat uh, questionably the fraud, the fraudulent physicist, and maybe he's just cleverer than us all, mate. And you know, there's a big, a much bigger plan here, now, obviously. Now, 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 now. Now, Ollie, just you know, some in some quarters, you know, when they look at Bryson and they talk about fitness and physical uh, size, you know, some people have said that he's overweight. You know, he looks, he looks fat fit if that's a an appropriate term and i don't want to you know be offensive to anyone but you know but it might be on the larger side so what my understanding is you know it, that's part of it you know he's got to take the calories in and eat the food and get big in order to increase the strength the, stri- uh, the strength and the size you can't yep. you can't eat little you can't have it both ways yeah so to get Correct. big and get the size and get the speed you know the speed he's got to eat and eat and eat and get potentially fat and then train the muscle and get the muscle up Rather than be eat clean, eat lean, and just build muscle in a lean muscle in a lean sense, yeah. Correct. Where when people are awake, they're catabolic, means they're burning calories, and when they're asleep, they're anabolic. That's when they're building. And so, you know, with the amount of stuff that he's doing on a daily basis, training, golf, um, practice, all of that different stuff, his daily caloric expenditure will be quite high. So one, he needs to get his protein up as high as possible so that he can. Uh, uh, recover and his muscle can repair, um, you know, throughout the day and, and most importantly when he sleeps, but also making sure that his calories are high enough so that he's not actually eating, burning into muscle stores. He's just got so much fat reserve that he's able to use that as energy as well. So um, you need to be in a calorie surplus to be able to gain muscle. Uh, if you're if you're eating, if you're burning more calories than you're eating, you're going to probably lose fat and muscle as well. It's going to be really hard to gain uh, or even maintain. So that's how you've got to do it. Um, we, you know, at some point he's going to realize that he's maybe carrying a lot of weight and that's actually quite fatiguing from an actual fitness point of view. He may start dropping off later in his round, all of that kind of stuff. So at some point I think he might get to the weight that he wants to and then go, okay, let's sort of get a little bit, dial it back a bit with the nutrition, take a bit of body fat off and 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 be nice and lean but still have a good amount of muscle mass. He may lose some, uh, but I think you'll find there's a sweet spot which will probably uh, arrive maybe somewhere between where he is now and where he wants to get. Um, so, and then it's just injury prevention, isn't it? Well, you mentioned going sort of, I guess, towards that, you mentioned before that his coach in an interview that you saw said he can do what he wants as long as he can maintain his flexibility. Now, I just bring it back to the everyday golfer's perspective. I know when I carry a bit of extra weight, I now, through lockdown, when I want to go do some flexibility exercises that you trained me to do last year, when I'm carrying a little bit extra weight, it's harder to do that. It's harder to get yeah. into those positions. You know, simple example, it's harder to touch your toes, right? Yep. How, how Doesn't it apply to him? You know, he's just, is it different? Yeah, well, there's a difference between training in a way that you shorten your muscles and therefore lose flexibility um, and and training in a way that you actually increase your range of motion. So the only thing that's going to – because he's training smart and he's got, a good, he's got a good team around him and he knows the different uh, parameters he needs to hit with his mobility, 
The only thing that's actually going to get in the way is literally something getting in the way, i.e. his pecs get too big and he can't get his arm across his chest. Therefore, he can't you know, even get his arm you know, above parallel. And then we got it. Then that's where you've got the issue. But um, I think everyone can rest assured that he'll be doing all of the right sort of training and mobility work to ensure that he's able to tick those boxes that allow him to get where he needs to get. And the minute those muscles get in the way will be the minute he goes, we've gone too far here. Well, well, you actually making that point, I was thinking about his swing. The way his swing sets up, he actually, because he's quite, you know, the golf machine. So because his arms are actually up quite high and quite straight. Away from the body. Away from the body. So he's, in a way, he swings geared for it. Because it's be less of an issue for him than other people. Yeah, right now it's less of an issue, right? So, and all he's done, if you look, you know, I've looked at those videos. So he's kind of moved away from the rigidness of the golf machine and he's sort of, he's allowing his wrist to do a little bit more. He's swinging that little bit faster and, and he's just, he is coming down like a freight train and he's just clearing as hard as possible. Like, He's swinging so hard at the golf ball, it's not even funny. Like, you know, Brooks and, and those guys, they give the ball a fair clunk, but Bryson is going at this like there's a rattlesnake on his porch. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's sensational. Excuse my dogs. <laughs> don't, don't they know that I'm recording, you know? Oh, you can... <laughs> That's Mrs. My Love of Golf going. Someone knew that that was happening. We're recording a podcast in here. Shut those dogs up. It's gold. Oh, dear. Where were we? Before we lost, my dogs lost our train of thought. My apologies. Yeah. Bryson and his swing and how it's sort of, it's probably geared for him to look, be ev- able to swing like that. Everyone it just everyone just needs to go and look at Martin Chuck's video. There's probably several videos and you've already seen them, but Martin Chuck does this one and he does a little bit of analysis. It's only a couple minute video, but it's side by side this September versus now video, which he's, he's taken himself. And, you know, Martin through the, um, whether it's huddle or whatever, you know, sort of coaching video analysis he uses, slows it down and shows you through the different positions as he calls them P1, P2, P3 and whatever. And you can just see these positions that Rocket's referring to. Like, you know, everyone knows in a golf swing that, Speed is generated by how much lag you can generate. Lag is that when you're on the downswing, the angle of the club up behind your head in relation to where your hands are you know, as you rotate and release the club. So the more lag, the more speed, the more speed that that club head whips through through impact. And just to see the different amount of angle, just that angle that he's creating as he holds the club up behind him, you know, that lag, it's just another, I don't know how many degrees, but it's just another... Yeah, the the club is behind his back, and his hands are down near his knees. Almost, it would seem. You know, he's got that much lag happening. It's it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then it's just this massive rotational body turn, which is just yeah. you know Hulk smashing it through. And yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's not just physical; it's technical as well. You can see that he's done both technical and physical, and that's really important for anyone out there. You know, you're not just going to reap the benefits by doing one or the other. I think. Really, they work well hand in hand, and we're seeing that. Um, we're seeing that with Bryson right now. Uh, when you do the right things and, and and you do them both technically and physically, your body, the blueprint of your swing matches the blueprint of your body. Then, um, then you get good results. I, I wonder if any other tour players are going to have a look at this methodology and start to maybe. Uh, Explore it. You know, you, you've said that you've got some amateur guys up there, Ollie, uh, looking at the same sort of concept and, you know, just at least exploring it. I wonder if any of the, you know, you'll see some of the second-tier guys starting to, you know, look at how they can eat and game. The, the, the guys that will be, you know, we'll call it from 50 mm. or 40 down to 100, they might sit down. You think about it, it's very easy for them to get all the data in terms of um, their um, ball speed, club head speed, launch angle, all that sort of stuff, and then start to then cross-correlate that with what they're seeing off what Bryson's are doing. And if, if I was out on tour and seeing that, you'd, you would be derelict in your duty to not even look into it and consider if it's something that's viable, maybe not to the extreme, but what things could you pinch from it that could give you that 
because that could be the difference between finishing 30th and finishing 10th. Yeah. It's a million bucks a year, 700,000, 2 million bucks a year. It could be, you know, the difference. Between oh, staying, it's either been, yeah, having guaranteed, you've got a guaranteed card or you're fighting yeah. for your card yeah. and under pressure. And you can eat as much as you want. How bad can that be? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, down in Bryson Burgers. Yeah, exactly. So, Rocket, it, it's uh, as we as we discussed, it's your tournament, and uh, you know, give us a rundown of, of what happened over the weekend because you you're the one that uh, that's your job in this uh, team, mate. What happened? Well, it was the last event for the uh, the financial services swing, so it was good for them to close out with my event. Um, and look, like Webb Simpson was going to pop his head up again. He was a uh, you know halfway halfway leader. And then one of my boys, Matty Wolf, has he's come through blazing in his second and third round. And he had a three-shot lead going into the weekend over um, – oh, I can't remember who was second with with um, Bryson. No, it doesn't matter. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Matty Wolf just had an absolute stinker of a start to his back nine in, in the final round. Um Bryson sort of rolled through in a couple under and just had a really good back nine to sort of close it out and end up winning by a few over Matthew Wolfe. Um, so, you know, it's a shame because I'm a, you know, I'm a bit of a young generation fan. Um, so on one hand, it was a shame for Matthew Wolfe to not win, um, but he'll definitely learn from it. Uh, and on the other hand, <laughs> this podcast is happening, Bryson winning, uh, it's just Bryson mania. Yeah, and it was it was a good course, but again, you know, we've had we've had four weeks of basically you know dart dart golf as delivered by the Sith Lords of Pontevedra. We got bunched fields. Part of it's a little bit boring, but at the same time, when when you go into a back nine and you got five or six people that could win it, yeah, you know, it's it's eyeballs for the for the viewers and. Eyeballs for the sponsors, really. What about uh, Kiz, the Kisner, the J, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kisner was up there in third place. So did, did he pop up from nowhere? I, I wasn't following it so close. Oh, he, he was there. He's there about most of the weekend. He's just a just a rock solid player. Um, yeah, he was there most of the weekend. So, but it was purely the Bryce and Maddie Wolf show. Yeah, um, going into the back nine. Not a great week for the Aussies. Oh. Can we miss any more cuts? I think was there only one that made the cut? Was it Reen? Did Reen Gibson make the cut? Or I know he was. I don't know. Time, but... I, I think I've. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's happening with our players at the moment. I don't know. Bads was Jason there. Day, Mister. But the, but the other thing as well, he's the cuts. If you've seen the cut lines for all these tournaments, there, like the cut line for this one was four under. Like the week, I think last week was three. And Heritage was two or three. Like, if you're not on, phew. as tough as, as tough as they can set these courses up, so to speak. You know, it's still bomb. they're not going to set them up tough. It's still bombing gas off. So it's not really it's not low shooting. What you're saying is it's not low shooting at a, when it cuts minus two, three, or four. You know, no one's going. They should be. Are you saying that it should be better than that? Oh, the Australian players. No, it's it's like if you're not on, you you, you there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, right. Like it, and and maybe if the course was tougher, it would probably um, separate the big, better players from the ones that are borderline. But yeah. the ones that are maybe not the best, they just have a couple of good streaky days. You know, the bang, they're all of a sudden at eight nine under. You know, the course wasn't. You know, Detroit Country Club isn't that long. It wasn't that dry. The greens aren't that fast, or they weren't running that fast, and the PGA Tour don't set it up to maximise the impact of a Donald Ross designed greens. They put them in some of the flatter spots, so you know it's not hard to have a good putting week. That's just the way they set it up. They set it up for scoring. It's a you know it's WWE entertainment business. So in in you uh, predicting that. Bryson would win the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and you did predict mm-hmm. that, and 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 we'll we'll put that in the uh, in the show notes or the uh, Instagram post just to verify that Rocket did 
say last week when in our missed record, and I apologise again, um, it's in the history somewhere, it's in the files, the inter- interweb somewhere, that you did forecast that Bryson would win your tournament. Um, yeah. What sort of yeah. uh, what sort of content did uh, what were the things that were coming down the pipe that you that you liked because you you become quite prolific in your Instagram stories and tweeting and or not tweeting but your Instagram stories and your finest uh, forms of humour. Uh, what, what were some of the things that you liked uh, seeing about uh, Bryson's content coming through, mate? So Bryson this week, you would think that um, the winning and all that sort of stuff would just make everything else disappear, but. You know what? Without fail, the, the 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 young man just has a way of just putting his foot back in it again. So in the third round, he was hitting a bunker shot, and he didn't hit a great one. And he had a, a bit of a confrontation with the cameraman. So they had a discussion because the cameraman was tracking him for like a good minute or so. Uh, and then someone post round asked him what that was all about, and Instead of him just saying, oh, it was nothing, in true Bryson form, he was just completely honest and goes, oh, just, I think it's really disrespectful that the cameraman was just tracking me for like well over a minute, well after I hit my shot. Um, it's, it's like he's, I know he's trying to do his job, but it's like he's, I think what was the phrase he used? They're trying to catch me out. Trying They're trying to catch me doing something bad and, you know, that could hurt my brand. Yeah, damage my brand. <laughs> Uh, you're talking about it's damaging your brand. Um, and then it was, he was asked again about it post-win and instead of sort of brushing it off, he went again. And then what makes it even better is that he was doing uh, a podcast with Brad Faxon and Brad Faxon sort of teed it up, like couldn't have given him a, like a softer, like if it was an, it's like an alley-oop to a five-foot ring. Like he's given him just an absolute, just Dorothy Dix and said, you know, I used to be a former player. You know, you say things you don't mean. Da, da, da. The whole thing about the cameraman. And Bryson goes, oh, no, I meant it. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, it's dis- disrespectful and it's hurting our brand. You know, we're entertainers. And you, you could probably see Bri- uh, Brad Faxon going, oh, what is, he do- what is he doing? And then, then he goes on a rant about... He goes, oh, there's so much negativity in the world and, you know, we, we're trying to create a positive message and we, we, we're like humanitarians and we just should be just focusing on the humanitarian aspect of the PGA Tour. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, what? He must have, I don't know, chocolate milkshake poisoning or something like that. Oh, I don't know. But it was just like I've heard the audio from it and it's just classic and you sit there and you go, for someone that has a master's in physics, there's, and I, I'm sure I've said this about Bryson, it's like there's this little voice. You know how most people have the, that emotional intelligence and there's like this little inner voice? He doesn't have the little inner voice. There's no little voice in the background going, hey, Bryson, don't say that. No, it's just... Well, some people's filters are stronger than others and, you know, maybe... He doesn't have one. doesn't have a filter. doesn't have one for his mouth. Because it's obvious, because it's what comes out and it's also what goes in. <laughs> well, Rocket, uh, you, you do you do get a lot of uh, self-pleasure out of watching Bryce. I do. And, and, I do. And he did get to release the Kraken this week. In, in a big style. And he must have fixed up the uh, the issues with the ball spinning off the face with his putter. The wooden box. might He might have had the wooden box back out of play. Oh, I think he got the wooden box and he might have put, you know, retrofitted a track man in there or something like that just to check the spin rates. Now, what's coming up next? If there's nothing really too much else about the Rocket Bones uh, Classic, um, what's coming up next, mate? I think they're actually I think they're playing two tournaments in a row at Muirfield Village. So you've got Memorial in two weeks, but they've got one this week. I think it's called the Workday or something like that. Uh-huh. Bear with me. I will just double check. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a weird one where Muirfield Village is going to get punished for two weeks, which would be interesting because it'd be, um, what are we, July, Ohio. Workday charity. Oh, there we go. Yeah, workday charity. That's it. So it'll be probably a little bit humid up there. And weather could be a bit funny. Like if they get a couple of – because sometimes the memorial, because that's usually in June, 
uh, end of May, start of June before the US Open. And that tournament can be either really good weather or it can bucket down for two or three days and turn into just a mud pit. So, don't know. Could be interesting, especially when they're playing the tournament two weeks in, on the same course two weeks in a row. Get your eye in. So same course two weeks in a row. So there's not 36 holes out at Millfield Village. It's same course two weeks in a row. Yep. Yeah, Jack's house. Jack's place, yeah. Jack's house. So I wonder if um, – I haven't even seen the field. I wonder if, wonder if Bryce is, uh, is teeing up. I see Bads is. We've got a good Australian contingent. Jason Day will play, the hometown hero. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooks, Brooks is teeing it up. I think uh, G-Max up there because I saw some clips of him and Poltz on a, on a plane catching a, a, a net jets together, you know, rolling up to uh, Ohio. Uh, who else is playing? Denny Lee. Uh, Leash. He's been ordinary. Ricky's playing, of course. Matty Wolf, Max, Mickelson, former winner, G-Mac. Oh, Cam Percy's got to start. Nice. Uh, actually, looks like Bryson's not playing. So Cam Percy's got limited starts in his with his status this year. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, so yeah. I think so. Um, he played all right. I think it was RBC. I think he played all right. Mm. Um, man, that guy can putt. Oh, I caddied for him when he won his second Tasmanian Open. No, first one, ninety-five. At Launceston Golf Club, I've never seen someone putt the eyes out of a golf ball like that in my life. How did you get to uh, become Cam Percy's caddy for the Tassie Open Rocket? Uh, one, I missed the cut. Um, and second of all, I played with him in Interstate Series and just said, do you want some local knowledge, Cam? He goes, yeah, sure. Yeah, not on the greens. Didn't need it. <laughs> Didn't need it. I think, he, I think he asked me once to read a putt. <laughs> Just uh, there you go, listeners. Just more value for more value for you. Not only do we have the Rocket Man, who's you know, had breadth and depths of experience in uh, interstate uh, golf, but you know, caddied for a PGA Tour player. Good on you, mate. He, he, he went back to back the year before, the next year after that. Oh, we, you gave him all the knowledge, and then he set him on his way, and and off he went. All right, I finished seventh. Oh. I was I was leading, I was leading at halfway, mate. Was it, oh, sorry. Was that a head wobble I could see there? A <laughs> uh, head wobble from the choke. <laughs> head wobble and a bit of gas. Now, <laughs> Ollie, um, now, mate, obviously we're recording this on the eve of Victoria, the state of Australia that we're in, that we all live in, going into another mm, six-week God. lockdown. Spice Girls mm. paradigm. Uh, Happening. Now, that, that affects your business because you had just come out of lockdown, got back into doing some training in the gyms. How does how do you reshape, uh, and what does that mean? And, and is there any way that um, you know we can use the platform of the podcast to tell people what they can do, how they can get in contact with you? Can you help them remotely, or or whatever? And because I, I, you know, like many businesses, it puts us in a challenging place. It's all for the the, the betterment of the uh, the community at large, and that's the important thing. But you know, self-employed people like yourself out there being dramatically affected. So what? how are you re- resetting again? Well, look, uh, there's an element of comfort going into this a second time because we've had the, the dress rehearsal. So we know what we're up for. We know what we need to do. And systems are pretty much already in place. Uh, they were never really out of place because we had about two and a half weeks of sort of reopening gyms at our clubs and returning to -to face-to-face training, which we only really started one-on-one just on the side of caution. Uh, But, yes, obviously now going back into this lockdown, that means no face-to-face, gyms closing, and we switched back to our uh, virtual virtual training schedule. So, look, uh, I think the, the beauty of this whole Uh, I won't say the beauty of this pandemic, but the beauty of uh, people relying on digital platforms like Zoom and other um, similar things is that they've realised that perhaps it's not so bad and that stigma of online coaching has actually kind of been washed away a little bit with this whole situation. And so that's kind of made life 
a little bit easier. And and for the first time in in quite a while, um, or almost ever, I've started getting quite a lot of clients from all over Australia that have heard about me through various um, mediums. Fantastic. And um, yeah, and 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 they they you know obviously want to get themselves sorted, do an assessment, uh, get a program so that they can do it in their own gym. Um, in their own state um, I've had I've had a WA uh, I've had someone far north Queensland and a couple of guys from Canberra just in the last month and so um, yeah it's been really nice that people have accepted and embraced the technology and they're now realizing hey if I haven't got someone with that skill set near me it doesn't matter I can access them um, he, he can tell me what I need and, um, and, and off we go and, and it works quite well. So, you know, we've, um, I guess, pivoted is the word over to the online space. So, you know, we're doing assessments, we're doing programs, um, we're doing one-to-one regular stuff for those people who need that supervision. Um, and then we're doing our core strength and flexibility class, which is sort of our flagship group program at clubs, sort of a yoga Pilates inspired um, class. And doing that uh, online as well, which um, has actually probably been the most successful thing in, in in particular how seamless it is. Like it's just working perfectly. I've had a lot of people who are my like really regular clients. They're always at the clubs in the classes saying, can we continue this even when we start back at face-to-face? Um, because it just gives them the ability to get to an extra class mm-hmm. potentially um, or get to a class without having to leave their house you know, without having to organise or get in the car or do all the things they normally have to do, they don't need to do that anymore. You know, everyone's time poor, you know, so it saves time travelling. And so, look, we're definitely looking at the positives and I hope everyone out there is looking at the positive. We all had that dress rehearsal, as I said. Uh, you know, I've just put a note out today to everyone sort of saying, you know, uh, now, now's, now's the time to, let, like, really use this to your advantage because... Let's face it, there is some upside to having less to do. It means you can focus on yourself a little bit. Um, you know, so if people this time around, you know, try to exercise a little bit more regularly or maybe just eat that little bit more cleanly unless you're on the uh, the, the Bryson gain train. <laughs> the Bryson burger menu. <laughs> exactly. Um, and perhaps, you know, cut down cut down your drinking during the week. You know, it was, yes. easy, when, it was easy to do during that period where everything was uncertain, you know little bit of uh, sympathy for yourself. I wouldn't say drowning your sorrows, but it was just easy to do. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to deny that uh, for anyone, but I think maybe this time around we know what to expect. Let's all try to make it something good out of it. So that's the approach we're trying to take and we're hoping uh, people come along for the ride. That's Victorians. And then for the rest of the uh, country, um, it's, uh, it's business as usual. They're getting back into the gyms and, you know, they're, and, and they're you know, playing golf freely, competition golf for groups of four and doing everything they, they want to do pretty much. So that's a bit of a, a, an opportunity for them to reset their programs and um, get headed in the direction they want to go. So, look, I think we've got to look at the bright side and, and you know, like you said, we're doing this for the greater good. Uh, so let's make the best of it. I think, mate, what you said there, just to echo how I sort of, immediately turn my thoughts to it and I spoke with uh, Jamie Glazier last night we were talking about a few things he's in Queensland um not really not really in a rush to get back to Victoria by the way but um he's in Queensland and we were just talking and it's sort of like now we know we've got six weeks the first time we didn't as you said we didn't know what was how long and what was going on I guess now we've seen that things can get better and if we do this six weeks well hopefully that should be the not the end of it, you know, I don't think the end of it's a long way off for the whole world, but, you know, if we can do this six weeks, we know. So it is that time where you can say six weeks, I'm just going to achieve something. I'm going to set my mind to training. You know, Jamie and I talked about something. You know, I've talked about my son. We've got six weeks, you know, he's at home. And, and let's knock something off. You know, let's get something done and finished and use that time to as a start and a stop and just get out there and do something with it. Um, so, yeah, I guess you can just look at the positive side and use the time to the best of uh, best of your ability, whether that's work, play, in a you know, training sense. I'm sure that there's a way that you can frame it to the your advantage in some way, shape or form. So yeah, that's but that's good, mate, that uh, that you're back and up and running and, you know, people are people are wanting to take advantage of your absolute wonderful skills from an online perspective, mate. It's great. We might Thank have to you. 
we might have to release another video. I think so. I've uh, I've I've gone and uh, I had to give back all of the equipment that I had in there. It was borrowed from a club, uh, but frantically about three weeks ago, when I had a little bit of an inkling where this might go, <laughs> I uh, was buying up on everything, and I've managed to replace literally everything. So my studio is looking as good as ever, and it's all owned by me this time. So uh, it, it's ready to go for some content. So um, hopefully we can get some stuff out to your listeners and. And, and give them some encouragement with some of the things that we just spoke about. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Rocket, anything else from you, mate? Uh, we, we've, we've covered off the Bryson stuff uh, pretty well, I think. I don't think we've missed anything that we recorded last week. Anything else from you, mate? Uh, well, Bryson's one's going to be interesting for the next month, right? Because you've got lead-up to... Um, the first major, which will be the PGA, Harding Park, which will be just right up his alley. That'll be just, it's a flat, boring track. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he does, how this how this stacks up in a major. Because he doesn't ha- he doesn't even have a top 15. In a, he's performed poorly in, in the big stuff. So this will be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So this will be the – that'll be the win. Okay, this we've gone through. Here's the first test. It's been proven. Now, what what does that mean for a major, right? Because if he's hitting it long and straight and he's putting okay, who knows? He's already, Well, the bookies have already got him as favourite, which I, I think is quite insane. Well, if we do um, ro- if we do roll back to last week in the, fi- the first ever failure, we did say – we did write him off. For the majors, we did chastise. Oh, I do. I do. I I do all the time because I I, I actually don't think he has the temperament. The, you know, the the whole thing with the the cameraman proves to me that he's still missing something. He's one, he's he's a couple of coins short of a dollar. Bit harsh, but uh, I I know what you're saying. But uh, he's he's getting hard. It's Brooksy. It's getting hard. Brooksy's my man. Brooksy. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if uh, we're going to be able to to deny it. Like that, those couple of stats that we heard uh, from the last round, where he was 400 plus yards ahead of, I think it was Adam Hadwin who he played with. Adam Hadwin. Adam Hadwin barely hits it out of his shadow. That's okay. (laughs) But he was 200 250 yards ahead of Matthew Wolf, who who I think he hits it a fair way. So yeah, Matty Wolf uh, is a long hitter. So that's like you know. Black tees, blue tees, white tees. Bryson's off the white tees. So, you know, even if he is a bit up and down emotionally, you know, if he keeps going the way he's going, he's got to be in the mix, doesn't he? Yeah, it's his, it's it's the – but when it comes to the, the, the big stuff, like it's the – I still think it's the – it's your iron play and your wedge play. And, you know, even though he's hitting it closer, he's, he's just absolutely just murdering everyone – you know, strokes gained off the tee. Again, the wedge game is uh, is failing him, and he's just lucky he had a, he had just had a, a blinder on, on the greens. So normally, if he was like that off the tee, and he had an okay wedge game, he, he if he had a better wedge game, he would have probably destroyed the field by ten, based on how he putted. But I don't know. So I, I was listening to. Um, uh, a shotgun start podcast again today. Oh, Matty Mollico actually got a shout out on that one. Um, and one of the theories they brought up is because he's got his wedges are all the six iron length. He kind of has no control. Like, you know, down to say eight, nine iron, it kind of makes sense. But, you know, Sam wedge, gap wedge, lob wedge, having a, at the length of a six iron, like y- you actually don't have the same control as most of the other guys. So it actually probably is a hindrance, um, even though he sort of pioneered the whole, you know, one length thing and it makes sense for him. Does he have to potentially think, rethink that one with the wedges potentially? Does he make them, they may not be all sandwich length, but does he make them not six iron length, make them a little bit shorter so he can get some control because that's the, that is the actual. I think that is the actual biggest gap in his game is that he's he's not really fully taking advantage of the fact that he's bashing the suitcase out of it. Mm. Have either of you guys played with one length clubs? No. 
No, I've played with clubs that are too long for me, but that's not all that hard. Okay, well, then then I'm the only one that can speak with some level of qualification because I do own a set of one-length clubs. I maintain them. Out of all of the gear changes that I go through, and they are many, the one set of consistent clubs that I maintain and keep, now I don't always use them, is my Cobra one-length uh, set of irons. And to your point that you make there, Rocket, I know what you're saying in terms of control but I, I really don't think that the 99% of the short game shots, the, the longer uh, wedges pose any problem uh, around the green. The one, the one area where they, do, they did pose a problem for me was in the bunker. Playing a, a, a one length, a six iron or a seven iron in my case length, 60 degree wedge out of the bunker with a normal bunker style of play, I, I, I just found it way too way too uh, difficult wasn't the word, but it was just too unnatural. But in terms of chipping and pitching anywhere else around the course with that length iron, it, it, it provided absolutely zero, zero limitations relative to pitching and chipping with a normal length club. And especially if you can develop that technique, which he's obviously honed over the years, and the way that these balls spin, the amount of spin that they can impart on on the ball, you know, through good technique, I don't see any real disadvantage being able to play any number of shots with that single-length uh, wedge, except, you know, if you've got a plug lie in the bunker or you, you've got to get that hands down low and get the club head whipping through and get it up high, yeah, that's the only thing that, that challenged me. Maybe you could, maybe you could carry it like a, a short 60 or something like that, or a 64, but who knows? But, but the, thing is, the thing is, though, is that he may not have a problem, but the difference between um, being a good wedge player and an elite wedge player, the gap is actually really, it's really wide. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right? So, so you know, I put, I, I put like Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, those two have, they, they knew they hit it long, so they knew they had, the, the, they, they had to make the most out of their um, wedge game. And, D- Dustin Johnson probably uh, um, around 2012-2013 with with Claude Harmon. That's when he put the most time into on track man on the range trying to just dial his wedges in, and then he had that like two to three year stretch where he was just absolutely just dominating. So 2014, 15, 16, and a bit of 17 um, before he hurt himself at the Masters. Um, and yeah, that's and that's that's the thing. It's like it's just it's minute, right? And the difference between basically just standing up and knowing you can just have a hundred yard shot with a wedge and you're going to jam it inside six feet every time mm. versus it might be six, it could be ten, right? Because then the other thing as well is then. Then you have your whole statistics around how many putts you make as soon as you go from three feet, six feet, 10 feet, 15 feet. So if you're hitting your wedges to 10, 15 feet, you, then you have to have a good putting week. And that's that's where you look at. That's why he had a monster putting week, which made up for the lack in his wedge game. If his wedge game was like elite, I reckon he would have probably shot five to six lower, he wouldn't have led the putting, but he would have been better in strokes gained approach. And that's little, it's just little things. Maybe we could put him in touch with uh, our podcast guest from last week, uh, Rocket. I don't know if you had the chance to listen to my interview with Tom Boys. The, uh, stats, stats, uh, no, not yet. You, know, you should. You should. The stats man of the stars. So had a great catch-up with uh, Tommy Fleetwood's stats man, Tom Boys, who uh, – Played. Did he count the? Does he also count the um, the strands of um, Tommy's mane? No, no, no. We didn't go down that path. Yeah, that's, oh, okay, uh, sorry. You know, he's the he's the godfather to Tommy's children, mate. You know, he's that's how close <laughs> he is. He played all England uh, juniors and seniors with Fleetwood, Matt Wallace, Pepperell, um, Tyrrell Hatton, the, you know, and he's now made a career out of uh, keeping stats and helping players understand about 
their whole game and really helping them hone in. On he's, he's that guy that's playing with all these others that have just a supreme amount of talent and he's standing there going, mm, I'm in the wrong room. They're my mates. I need to think of something else. <laughs> and he's figured it out. Well, he's, he's <laughs> Smart he's, dude. He, well, he's certainly figured out, figured it out and he's now helping uh, some of these guys be really good. So everyone should go and listen to Tom Boy's interview. It was really good, um, really good feedback on it too. Ollie, up there, thanks for joining us, mate. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Look forward to seeing your content coming down the line, mate, and we'll share that uh, so everyone can be inspired to, to reach out if they need to and if they want to do an online program or do something at home or get some uh, Zoom time with you to keep in shape. If they want to get on the Bryson Gaines, they can do that too, mate. But, um, it's all the fat at the moment. Mate, um, <laughs> Was that all the fat or all the fat? All the fat, I think. <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. Rocket. Rocket. Thank you once again for your uh, insights and contributions. Sounds like you've got some triplets there to go and uh, and uh, get off the bed, yeah? Uh, Mrs. Rocket's been putting them to bed. I already gave them kisses before the podcast. Okay. Daddy's, got, Daddy's got a job to do. <laughs> Daddy's got a job to do on the My Love of Golf podcast. Well, gents. <laughs> Thanks for uh, thanks for the levity. Thanks for the seriousness. Thank you for your insights. is uh, very much appreciated, and I hope you appreciate them at home too. Leave Rocket a review over at iTunes if you like this episode. You can go over to iTunes, leave him a five star, leave him a message. He will reply, or we'll have his people reply. And um, I'll get my people to talk to their people. Ollie, where can we find you, mate? Just remind us where we can find you. Yep, Facebook, Instagram uh, at Fit Golf Oz or head over to fitgolf.com.au. Beautiful. Guys, thank you. I'm going to leave you with a special tune because we didn't miss it at the start, but in honour of uh, Rocket, your very own tournament this week. Thanks for listening to the My Love of Golf podcast, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hey.